Soxy. Good morning, Tam Tam. How goes it? You know what? I don't even care about homeschool this morning and the fact that like (laughs) everything is going wrong because I'm so freaking excited about my day that I didn't sleep last night and I told my husband to stop sabotaging everything by like trying to pick a fight last (laughs) night. I was like, if you ruin my day tomorrow, this is all on your head. Oh my God. You know what? I feel the same way because it was like Christmas morning this morning. I woke up giddy nervous yeah, excited yeah. i didn't sleep excited. i woke up extra extra early prepping and of course my husband did pick a fight with me before but they i was like always, i'm not letting you go i'm not letting that it. happen <laughs> but um i you know this woman who we're gonna intro right now she's <sighs> like i'm sitting here just let me talk um came into my life quite recently mm-hmm. um I was on a walk, a hike. I go for three hour hikes to get away from my family um, because I have small children. And I came across this book uh, on Reese's book club called Untamed. And I honestly walked for four and a half hours, Hmm. sobbing half the way because I think people looked at me going like, what is going on with that chick? And ever since I listened to that book, it has changed so many aspects of my life as a mother and a human and as a wife. Um, and I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to reach out to her because I believe in manifestation. And I was like, she's never going to get back. And the day that I finished her book, she DMs me and says, I would love to come on. So I believe in the power of the spirit. <laughs> the powers that be. I know she, oh, yes. she she has unlocked something in all of us. You know, it's something that yeah. uh, things we weren't talking about before, which is what we we're going to talk about today. I'm like to my husband, I'm like, I don't need you. I'm, I'm a self-sufficient woman. Okay. I'm wild. I'm a cheater. That's your shit that you have to deal with. He's like, who are you? You're so not needy anymore. Well, I'll okay, talk- I'm gonna, without further ado, I'm going to let you introduce who we have today. Okay. Well, we have got a, a force. She's a force. Um, best-selling author. Her latest book is called mm-hmm. Untamed. If you have not read it, you must read it. Um, she's one of the founders of Together Rising, which is an amazing organization that is an all-women-led organization supporting women, families, and children mm-hmm. in crisis. Um, mm-hmm. She is doing it all, and we all just want to be like her and her best friend. So, without further ado, we've got Glennon. My new best friend. And you've got these husbands at home picking fights with you. You guys need a wife. Um, right? You need a wife. Every woman needs a wife. I'm telling you that. Right I told now. him last night, and this is mm-hmm. not made up. I said, you know what? I think being with a woman would be easier because she would just understand what I'm trying to say. And he goes, well, I'm a man. I can't just be a woman. I'm like, next life. Yeah. Next life. <laughs> Definitely on the checklist. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. We're yes. so honored to have you. We truly are. Um, you know, this book, Untamed, and I know you've written other books before that, which we are going to get on it right now. But this book has really changed a lot of people that I know's life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure for you. Um, but why do you think it spoke to so many women in this way? And also young women, you know, Adele's talking about the mm-hmm. fact that she, you changed everything for her. So why, why this book? Why? Whew, it's a big question. I don't know. I wonder if it, if it had to do with timing. I mean, it was a perfect storm, seriously, because the, the reaction has been, um, 
unexpected and amazing. I think it might be because we're in a moment right now where um, we're kind of having to reevaluate everything, right? Our lives and our relationships and our nation and our community. Um, and I think we've gotten to this point where we've created, or we haven't created, we've been a part of the creation of families, relationships, institutions, um, governments that haven't included us mm. in the making of them, right? And so we wonder why inside of these things, we tend to feel trapped and unfulfilled or un, you know, overwhelmed and underwhelmed, tired. And, and, um, and I think right now we're seeing so many of those institutions that we just took for granted mm-hmm. sort of um, revealed for what they are. And mm-hmm. we see what happens when women lose themselves, right? Like the whole world loses its way when women are not involved, their true selves are not involved in the creation of relationships in the creation of the structure of communities and families and government. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of women, um, are done being gaslit Mm -hmm. inside of all of those things, right? Mm -hmm. We've just been shamed for so long into thinking, Oh, we should just be grateful. We should just stop being emotional. Mm -hmm. We should just like, we should just, uh, you know, there's the, 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 um, culture has a million different ways to kind of put us back in our place. Mm -hmm. And I think we're in a moment right now where we might be all done with that. Right. And it's so thrilling. Mm -hmm. So exciting. So I think it's just, you know, the cheetah story is just, part of us is waking back up, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that activists are seeing this and artists are seeing this and it's just like this simmering, um, that's been under the surface for a long time. And now it's just exploding and it's so great. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so exciting <laughs> to feel like finally we might have a voice, you know, mm-hmm. being in the film business, my husband and I have a production company and I, I would talk in a room and everyone would look the other way. The room would be filled with men and my opinion and my thoughts weren't valid. And being the only female in a male room is intimidating and it's in a way degrading. It feels degrading. Um, And then you would have a male say the same idea, just, you know, bathed in different words Mm -hmm. and their idea was brilliant. So, you know, we all have, Roxy has one daughter. I have two daughters. I hope that in their lifetime and their generation, they will be in a room and they will feel seen Mm -hmm. because I know that being 37, I don't feel like I've ever really been seen. Mm. Um, and I, I hope that changes for me, but I hope it changes even more for our children, mm-hmm. you know? And, 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 and I think that the only way it will change mm-hmm. is if we start calling it out, right? Mm-hmm. But we've been so um, conditioned to doubt ourselves, mm-hmm. right? So it's like in that moment, I mean, I was on a call recently and I, it was a, a Zoom call. It was a call about racial and gender equality. Mm-hmm. Okay. This uh, brilliant black professor woman started speaking and there was this white dude who was probably 65, mm-hmm. had it, he's from Harvard and he started responding to her in such a 
dismissive, just like you're saying, Mm -hmm. very dismissive, but, you know, insidious, Mm -hmm. you know, it's never, it's never just direct so that we can call it out. It's always very like patronizing and, you know, all this body language is, it was dismissive. And, and I could see everybody, all the women on that call and we're all having the exact same inner response, Mm -hmm. which is what the fuck, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but we, but over time, especially white women, like we have made this deal that we will not rock the boat. Right. Right. That we Mm -hmm. will continue to accept our proximity to that power. But Mm -hmm. the deal is that in exchange for that, we will never call out the injustice. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Not in the government, not in a Zoom. Mm-hmm. Never. Mm-hmm. Like we will be continued. We will continually be committed to this false peace of like, don't rock the boat. Don't say anything. Let him be a douche. Like think about his feelings, like all mm-hmm. of this, mm-hmm. you know? So I think I have hope too, but I know that it's not hope isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we have to start not even caring if we're overreacting because we've been underreacting for so many hundreds of years that if we overreact for a few hundred years, mm-hmm. that's fine too, mm-hmm. right. you know? So I think it's just like this idea that we can honor when we feel like something is bullshit mm-hmm. when we feel like some, but then we can just say it mm-hmm. and just let the chips fall. So that that kind of thing, that misogyny you're talking about, that mm-hmm. insidious misogyny, the, mm-hmm. the racism, homophobia, all of it, people stop being comfortable bringing it into rooms. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, right? too, I, too, I think um, so much of it has to do with control, right? Because we as women, it's valued, like, I, especially because I grew up in the South where it's really valued to be genteel and quiet and keep mm-hmm. yourself quiet. And I know for me growing up in Texas, like all I wanted to do was make noise. You know, that's mm-hmm. like what I always wanted to do. And I wasn't able to do it till I finally left home and went away to school. But raising a daughter, you know, in that sort of society where we're taught as women self-control, you know, keep your emotions under check, you know, be quiet. How do we change that for them? How do we sort of give them that gift to say, you know what, be loud, be proud, be who you are? I mean, Roxy, I just got to tell you, I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to imagine a world in which her daughter (laughs) doesn't feel comfortable being herself. Right. And I think what I would say to you Mm -hmm. is tragically and luckily, there is no way to teach your kids that they can be themselves. Mm -hmm. There is only being yourself Mm -hmm. and allowing them to watch right? Because we can give our kids a million different lessons with, you can be, you can be loud, you can, you can ruffle feathers, you can be bold and brave, you can whatever. But if they see their mom staying quiet, if Mm -hmm. they see their mom staying in line, if they will always do recreate what we are, Mm -hmm. not what we say to do. Right. So, I mean, I thought of this so much with Tish when I was, I mean, talk about like staying in your place and staying quiet. I mean, I fell in love with Abby while I was in a broken marriage, mm-hmm. but to a good man, mm-hmm. that's a very difficult place to be for a woman. Cause we're supposed to be grateful for what we have. Mm-hmm. Right. We're supposed to just say, well, it's not perfect, but I'm luckier than they are. Mm-hmm. I'm luckier than her. And I should just, it's good enough. It's good enough. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, and, and we're also as mothers, Jesus, we're taught, you know, we, the number one thing, you just can't do anything to hurt your child. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Just, just don't do anything to hurt your child. Just So I almost just completely abandoned myself and let go of the great love of my life and also Mm -hmm. let go of a life of freedom and wholeness Mm -hmm. because I was so afraid to hurt my daughter, right? And one day I was 
looking at her and I thought, oh my God, I am staying in this marriage for her. Mm-hmm. But would I want this marriage for her? And if I wouldn't want this marriage for her, then why am I modeling bad love and mm-hmm. calling that good mothering? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's because we are conditioned, we are tamed to believe that a good mother is a martyr. Mm-hmm. Right? That a that a good mother, okay, that, that think about how insane this is. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that what motherhood is about. <laughs> It's about slowly dying, mm-hmm. okay? It's just about burying yourself. It's about burying mm-hmm. your feelings, your dreams, your emotions, your humanity, your sexuality, your your ambition, your mistakes. Just bury it all, right? Mm-hmm. Become an android mm-hmm. and then do that in honor of your children, right? Mm-hmm. Like, which is the biggest burden we can give our kids. Like mm-hmm. the biggest burden we can pass down, the worst legacy as women we can pass down to our daughters mm-hmm. is this idea that love means to slowly die, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That love means to slowly disappear in honor of the beloved, right? This is why Carl Jung said that the there is no greater burden that a child carries than the unlived life of a parent, mm. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so the idea is not, it's just to reevaluate all these messages we've been given. Mm -hmm. Oh, 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 I see. Who could have created the idea in the air that a good mother is a martyr? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Who could it have been that, that creates this idea that a good Southern girl is quiet? Mm-hmm. Man, right. <laughs> the patriarchy. Right. Like, what you talk to any woman, none of them learned. Oh, actually, I learned I should be a badass and ambitious <laughs> and blah blah blah. No, because in a, in a patriarchal culture, it doesn't it doesn't matter if you're you're from Texas, you're from the South, mm-hmm. you're you're a mother, you're a woman in a board meeting. The message is always your place here is to be quiet. Mm-hmm. To not bring your needs to the table, to not every message from every so you know, the, just reevaluating all of that. Like, no, my job as a mother is not to slowly die for her. It's mm-hmm. to show her how to bravely live, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because our kids will only live as fully as we allow ourselves to live. Mm-hmm. So getting back to your question, how do we teach our kids? Mm-hmm. We don't teach our kids. Mm-hmm. None of us teach our kids shit, mm-hmm. okay? We don't. We just show them mm-hmm. by who we are and what we do, right? To, to most of them, we are that Charlie. I was an t- elementary school teacher for a long time. So trust me when I tell you <laughs> that we are like those Charlie Brown characters. The wah, 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 mm-hmm. wah, wah. Like, you know, you want to see your, your child hide under the couch. Go home and talk to her about self-love. Oh. No. Like she needs to see you loving the shit out of yourself. We've all been doing our part to keep our communities healthy and safe, including shopping from home. Greats has been sending shoes straight to your door since 2014. Skip the store, but still find the perfect pair. Amazing. Greats is Brooklyn's first sneaker brand and is known for making the most accessibly priced Italian-made sneakers in the world. They make premium quality classics for men and women that play nice with everything in your wardrobe. And these aren't one-season shoes. They're trend-proof, built to last, and over time will become trusted and well-loved friends. I definitely love mine, Roxy, but you see, that's only half the story. Great sources the best materials and works with responsible factories that maintain the highest environmental and labor standards to craft premium quality footwear in an ethical way. Visit greats.com to learn more. That's G-R-E-A-T-S dot com. 
And how do you love the shit out of yourself? I I, I don't think I ever have. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever loved myself. Okay. So I look back at my life Mm -hmm. and I go, I've never felt enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So what is your self, your definition of self-love? I have a couple ideas that I'm thinking they are this month. It'll change next month. But what are you thinking about self-love means to you right now? I think I'm getting my period. That's why I'm crying. You're like, or, or maybe you're crying. a feeling human being. Okay, okay, okay. Because I was like, oh, and people see that I'm crying. Period. I'm weak, right? I'm weak, I'm right, weak, I'm right. weak. No, um, you're absolutely perfect. This is perfect. <laughs> you're like, of course you made me cry in the first five seconds. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the walk that I had for five hours. So, you know, we grew up in, well, I was born in South Africa for, you know, most, well, for, for five years, I was born in South Africa, immigrated to Australia when I was five. And I never felt like there was stability. My parents were amazing, but we were always moving and we we're always changing. So that for me led to food because food was comfort for me. And it was stability. And it meant that I I was I was getting lost in food to hide mm. the pain of not feeling like I had a home, like I was from anywhere, right? So then I, you know, gained weight and was 200 pounds. And that's why I connect with your story so much because I decided to lose the weight in in a healthy way to begin with. And then in a very unhealthy way, I turned to bulimia and anorexia. And then as, you know, what your book talks about, the world saw me as perfect when I was a hundred pounds. So I got cast on one of the biggest TV shows in Australia, um, was on a hundred magazine covers by the time I was 20 and I was the it girl, right? And the it girl was in pain and the it girl thought she had to be perfect Mm. because by losing the weight, it meant success, right? Mm. So then I, carried that pain of perfection most of my life, but I would say terribly between the ages of 15 to 25. And I, the eating disorder stopped because just like you said, it's not about the eating disorder or the alcoholism. It's, it's covering the anxiety or depression. I don't suffer depression, but I suffer anxiety I have for most of my life. But the perfectionism in me makes me feel Like I'm not good enough because you can't, when you suffer from perfectionism, you can never reach a top. So you're always struggling to get a brass ring that is unattainable. That's Mm. never there. Mm -hmm. So unless I accept the mess and the chaos and the pain and the sadness and the anxiety and realize that that's valid and okay too, then I'm never going to be happy. But I don't know how. Mm. <laughs> and when you talk about it, I'm like, oh, this makes sense. But I don't know how. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. First of all, that was beautiful. <laughs> Dang. What a oh, I, love I could listen to you all day. I could listen to you all day. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so anxiety. Um all has to do with control. Right? Of course. Um, I, so I married Abby and um, I didn't realize that I was a controlling, I've known I had anxiety my whole life because I've been diagnosed with it, but 
I didn't know that I was a controlling person. Really didn't. Mm. Because my almost a lot of my life has been chaos. Mm. So that's the last thing I would have thought of myself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out that I'm a control freak and I learned that because Abby is uncontrollable. And so what used to be in my old relationships, um, can to be considered just, I thought I was a good leader. Um, she understood was me trying to control her. So one day she looked at me and I, and I was doing some of the manipulative shit that I do when I'm trying to get her. I'm just saying, have you thought of this? Oh so like, yeah. I heard so-and-so <laughs> talking about this idea, this, all this horse shit that has always worked for me. And, um, she looked at me and stopped me. And this is like one of the beauties of same gender marriage is just this, this sort of talk. But she said, I just want you to know that when you try to control me like that, it makes me feel really, um, sad because Mm. it makes me know that you don't trust me. And that makes me so Mm. sad because I trust you so much and I want you to trust me. And that's when I realized like, oh, so I can love people or control them, Mm -hmm. but I can't do both because love requires trust. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we only control things we don't trust. Okay. So anxiety is a deep distrust Mm -hmm. in the universe. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. And, and and the people who learned not to trust, trust the universe are anyone who had a childhood. (laughs) 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 So because we're down here in this life that is totally (laughs) uncontrollable and, you know, just a shit show Mm -hmm. and sometimes fabulous and sometimes not. And so, um, I have learned to think about the control and anxiety thing a lot in terms of body, Mm -hmm. which is interesting that you brought that up because I am, I have, I'm working on taking the love out of, or taking the the, um, control out of love in my relationship Mm -hmm. with Abby, Mm -hmm. but I am unable so far, though still working on it to take the control out of the relationship with myself Mm -hmm. and my body. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because I control my body like nobody's business, mm-hmm. okay? Like there are people who I see use food and exercise as like empowering and they're getting strong and they're in there living their best life. And that is not how I do it, mm. okay? I work out from a place of anxiety, from a place of trying to stay small, mm-hmm. from a place of trying to control this, so thinking about food, thinking about blah, blah. And I, that comes from a place of not self-love, mm-hmm. right? Because it's proof that I don't trust my body mm. just to become whatever the hell it's supposed to be when I stop controlling it, right? So I will know that I have self-love in terms of body when I can go about my day, eat when I'm hungry, mm-hmm. move when I feel like moving and let my body be free, mm. right? To become whatever it's supposed mm-hmm. to be. And I think like, When we, if you're talking about your deeper self, which is not so many women, we think Mm self-care is manicures and highlights Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that's like, we have been convinced that our self is like the outer shell Mm -hmm. of us. Mm -hmm. We actually believe that shit, right? It's like, it's like if you have a car and you just spend all day, you know, rubbing the hood Mm -hmm. and like never, ever look inside of it at all. Like that's Mm -hmm. our real self is inside of us. Right. So the question is, do we trust that self? 
Okay. Do we love that self? And the only way I know for you to love your human self is to really look at what it means to be a human being Mm -hmm. and then decide it's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, I'm starting to cry and I'm feeling emotional. I just must have my period. (laughs) Right. Or we're having a fucking amazing conversation between three women and like getting the heart at the heart of things mm-hmm. where, whereas in most of our lives, we don't get to do that. And that's emotional and mm-hmm. that's exactly how we should be. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's when you say, how do I show my kid how to love? I don't know. It's like when you screw up, when you're emotional, when you make a mistake, mm-hmm. when you overreact, it's like the attitude of like, yeah. It's I allowing, mean, isn't it? It's yeah. allowing all of it. All of it. It's allowing all of it. Because when we introduce shame mm-hmm. for just being human, mm-hmm. then the little people learn, oh, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not okay because she's ashamed. Like That's where all of the, um, the programming comes in because we saw our mothers do that. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. We saw our mothers hide all of their humanity from us mm-hmm. because they bought that shit that, that mothers were martyrs. Mm-hmm. And so the, the tragedy of that is that we might have felt good about them mm-hmm. because they were pretending to be these androids. But then one day we feel like shit about ourselves when we realize that we are in fact fully human. Right. <laughs> Selfish way to parent, really. Mm-hmm. Right. Because what we're doing is we're raising little shit shows. Like <laughs> that's what they're going to be the whole yeah. way through. That's what anybody who's honest is. Nobody is nailing it. Nobody has it figured out. Shit shows the whole way through. So the idea is, how do you live with any sort of grace and dignity when you're a living, walking shit show? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole time I was like, oh, did Rox take out the swear words? We don't know if she swears. And now I'm like, oh, fucking yeah, baby. Yes, yes fuck yeah. <laughs> like, bro, the fuckers back in. Roxy, going along with what you're saying, because this definitely gives me anxiety. You know, when I was reading your book, it really resonated with me when you were talking about Tish and about how she is highly sensitive because my daughter is so, so, so sensitive. And it mm. just, you know, when I think about it, you know, it, of course, as moms, we want to protect our children. We don't want them to get hurt. But at the same time, it's pain is expected in life. They have to go through it. They have to go through heartbreak. They have to go through pain. But I've got to tell you, and this is anxiety coming up in me is I'm so petrified about raising this highly sensitive daughter and I hate to say it, but not fuck her up. You know what I mean? Just like, but at the same time, I want her to live her life and feel, you know, but feel safe and held, but feel everything. So I don't, Mm -hmm. I'm sort of at this crossroads where I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing? Six. Okay. Yeah. 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 Listen. Okay. I have so many thoughts about this because I've got one that's, she's like, just, she's, okay. Um, we're in this place now where, so we all just pendulum parent, right? That's mm-hmm. what we do. It's like our parents fuck us up this way. So mm-hmm. then we go the other side and mm-hmm. fuck them up the other way. That's mm-hmm. it. Right. So I felt like when I was little that I had nowhere to share my sensitivity. Mm-hmm. I had to be tough. I had to be, you know, we didn't do a lot of the touchy feely stuff and there wasn't a lot of room for feelings. I had a dad that had big feelings. He mm-hmm. was allowed to have the feelings. And then we were all like, you know, eggshells. So, so, you know, that is why a lot of sensitive kids go into addiction. Okay. It's, it's, it's the numbing, 
Mm-hmm. Okay. It's sensitivity. Addiction is a place where sensitive people go to like desensitize, right? Numb yourself from all the sensitivity. So of course I went the other way with the children, like just feel all your feelings. Tell me everything. Right? And now, I mean, you guys, sometimes I'm looking at my kid and she's on her second hour of talking to me about her feelings. And I'm just like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Like <laughs> I should have just taught you to suffer silently. Like this is so so there's that. And then the other thing is, okay, this little one I have, Tish, mm-hmm. she, um, I'll tell you this story. I, I put it in Untamed because it's just such a perfect I- example of who she is. But mm-hmm. when she was in kindergarten, her teacher called me at home and said, Glennon, we have an issue at school. And I was like, yes, I bet we do. And she said, um, so at, at, at circle time, I mentioned um, global warming and I mentioned that the polar ice caps were melting and that the polar bears were losing their homes. And she said, and all of the other kids, they were sad, but able mm. to soldier on mm-hmm. to recess, right? She said, Tish is still sitting on the floor. Her mouth is open. She keeps asking question after question. Like, what do you mean? Our earth, where are the polar bear's parents? Just, is this what your little girl would do? Yes. She would be the one to just like, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I bring the child home. The child doesn't stop talking about polar bears for six fucking months. Okay. Like we had polar bear <laughs> posters on the wall. I had to talk about polar bears at carpool at parties. At the, I um, adopted four polar bears from some <gasps> sham internet. Site. I kind of love care. that though. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Um, and it got so bad that I had my friend Liz send me a freaking email one morning pretending to be the, the I don't know, the, the governor of the Arctic or something mm-hmm. and right. writing me an email to say that the polar bears were fine now. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here's the deal. One night she calls me over to her bed and I'm, I'm almost done. I'm almost, you know, out the door and she calls me back and she says, mom, it's the polar bears. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, hell no. And she says, mom, it's just that it's the polar bears now, but nobody cares. And so soon it's going to be us. And then this bitch falls asleep. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm going to die tonight. I'm going to die tonight. You're like, oh, wait, wait, wait. And then I'm like, oh, I see. She's not crazy to be upset about the polar bears. The rest of us are crazy not to be upset about the polar bears. Mm-hmm. Right? These people... Okay, like your little one, mm-hmm. like Tish, like me. I'm pretty sure, like Tamin. I'm not. I'm <laughs> Phoenix. My my I'm older daughter is very now, but, anxious. Mm-hmm. Okay, but 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 it's also high high sensitivity. So like, mm. just know that in most coach in most cultures throughout time, and even right now, mm-hmm. in most cultures, except for highly industrialized ones like ours, um, people like that are set apart. They are identified early. They are known to be a little bit eccentric and different, but also they are known to be crucial to the tribe, mm-hmm. like crucial to the tribe's survival mm-hmm. because they can they can see things that other people can't see and hear things that other people can't hear. And they are willing to feel things that other people are not willing to feel, right? Mm-hmm. So these are the ones, the people who will stand on the bow of the Titanic and yell, iceberg, mm-hmm. iceberg. And everyone else is like, we'll just want to keep dancing, mm-hmm. right? So these are, you know, they're the canaries in the coal mine, mm-hmm. right? And the thing is that our culture is just so hell-bent on faster, faster, bigger, progress, progress, that these are people that slow us down mm-hmm. and annoy us. So it is easier for us to call them broken than to see that they are responding appropriately to a broken world right? And they have gifts to Mm -hmm. give us. 
right? And just so you know, if you were raising this little girl in a completely different culture, you would think of her differently, mm-hmm. right? You would, people wouldn't understand that she was probably going to be a little weird, mm-hmm. probably going to be an artist, maybe clergy, mm-hmm. maybe shaman, maybe medicine men, maybe poet, maybe all of these things that other cultures have to point them towards the truth, mm-hmm. right? So what I think is important with these little ones mm-hmm. is to tell them that, right? Because being a highly sensitive person is a challenge in many different ways. And so it is important that these kids know that it is also a gift and a superpower, Mm -hmm. okay? That what makes their life hard is also what will make their life beautiful, okay? Mm -hmm. Because the sensitivity that led me to addiction in the first half of my Mm -hmm. life is the exact same sensitivity that I use now to be a really good artist, Mm -hmm. right? It's just that Some of us take a little while and she will take a little while Mm -hmm. and good luck protecting her from pain because she is pain. (laughs) Totally. Stop that. Put that idea out the the door, right? Okay. Um, She will love her pain at some point. She will live in it. You try to take that from her, that's who she is. Like she's, right? right? She will probably need art, Mm -hmm. right? I don't know. I'm an artist and activist and all of my friends are highly sensitive or, or mentally ill. (laughs) And and she'll have times in her life where she feels like her fire is burning her up inside mm-hmm. for sure. And then she will figure out how to use that fire to light up the world. To channel, channel it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's interesting mm-hmm. you say that because just yesterday I said to my husband, I said to him that, you know, one day I just want to wake up and not be worried and be anxious. I just want it to go. I just want it to go away. But then after that sentence, I also said, but then who am I mm-hmm. without it? And is it a crux or is it a gift? Mm-hmm. And is it the way you look at it or is it maybe both? And maybe like you said about accepting, maybe it's allowed to be that allowing. Maybe it's allowed to be a crux and a gift. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'm ever going to wake up one day and I don't shake in the morning. I don't know if that's ever going to go away. But the minute I start to accept that, like you said, maybe it would just be part of me. Maybe it would just be part of the person that I was meant to be and the person I was born. And, and, and I always ask the question, is it environment or is it genetic? And then I look at my daughter, who's Phoenix, who's six. She used to get so anxious that she would vomit in her crib at one. So she didn't sleep through the night till she was three years old because she would vomit when we didn't go in the room. And we couldn't, the, you know, the pediatrician was like, well, just let her sleep in her vomit. And I'm like, fuck no. <laughs> I'm not going to let my kid like, like, suffocate in the middle of the night in her own puke. No, I'm not. So I went through bad postpartum because I didn't sleep and we were just a mess because, you know, she had this anxiety issue about throwing up from, from us not being with her. And then I thought, then it's not environment. She was a bit, she was three months old, six months Mm -hmm. old, one year. She didn't even understand the world. And she was, it was ingrained in her. So maybe our brains are just wired differently and we have to accept that we are different and that is beautiful. And it's sometimes not, it doesn't feel like the easiest thing to live with, but I will say that because of it, I am able to connect with people deeper 
than I think some people are. And mm-hmm. with a sense of empathy, mm-hmm. when the world is collapsing right now, I collapse because I feel like I'm in it, you know, mm-hmm. and it's happened yeah. to me, which is also probably like, well, your ego's really big. You know? <laughs> No, it's having other people, of course. I feel no, like I hear it completely. Mm-hmm. I hear it completely. But you know, that's why your book meant so much, is because I think a lot of people walk around thinking, "Oh, I'm now allowed to be different." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. different. But maybe I'm and still maybe it's not different. Maybe, maybe it's just them. Maybe it's just who they are who people yeah. are, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just who people are. And like, and I think there's also this idea that language can fuck us over because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes when Tish will get real, whatever it is, we'll just say, oh, you, you're, you're like, you're really alive right now. Like you're really alive right now. Like that, it, changing it from, because, because when you think about it, you're just, you're having a sensation. Mm-hmm. You're having a sensation. Mm-hmm. We have taken these words and we have said, oh, that's anxiety and that is what, but actually you're just having a sensation mm-hmm. that we have labeled as bad. And so now you're spending your entire life trying to change that thing because if this is bad, then I must, I'm supposed to be something else. Mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. so also like really re-examining like the, the words that we use to attach who we are, right. And how we're feeling. Because, you know, I have a friend who always tells me to be careful about the stories you're telling about yourself. Be careful mm-hmm. about the stories that you're telling about yourself. Because, you know, we also tend to think of it as sensitivity and only because of the culture we're in that sensitivity is a bad thing, right? But mm-hmm. sensitivity, the opposite of, of sensitive is insensitive. Mm-hmm. Like, is that, what, is that the badge of honor we're going for? Right? Isn't sensitivity the, being being abil- the the ability to sense deeply and feel and be connected? Isn't that like a, a an absolute gift? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I, I do know, Tamin, that that you're like if if you if you gave me ten people, like I would only want to hang out with you. I would only want to hang out with your kid. <laughs> you're my best right? Like I, your kid would be the one that I would want to sit in the corner with. Like it, I'm just, I don't even yeah. like people who aren't mentally ill. Like I don't even, <laughs> I mean, I wish them well, I guess, but I'm not curious about them. Curious. I don't have very many friends in Los Angeles because although there's a lot of mentally ill people in Los Angeles, <laughs> I can't connect to that. They bore me. I know that sounds, mm. I know that sounds probably egotistical, but I can't get in there. And if I can't get in there, it's not interesting to me. It's not interesting to me. And you don't have to tell me your entire life. Like we first meet and I'm like, well, this happened and this person passed away. Like, I don't need that, but I need something deeper. And I find that in a place Mm -hmm. that is so fake, especially Los Angeles and Hollywood, it's all about mirrors and the highlight reel. Mm -hmm. I find it really hard to get deep. And so I don't have a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. And I also have social anxieties. That's probably you too. Um, So quarantine's perfect for her. Yeah, quarantine's great. But also that whole thing where we're supposed to have a bunch of friends, I don't believe in either. No, like, that's another story. Like mm-hmm. uh, who taught us that? I don't know. Some freaking candle commercial that came on that had a bunch of women leaping together on the beach. And we were, <laughs> we were all like, Oh, I'm supposed to have 15 friends that I get together with. Every-. Like that's not at all necessary. Mm-hmm. That's not um, a norm. I am exactly like you in terms of the, it's not, it's not that I can't connect with people. And this is, I, I used to say that I used to say, 
I, I just can't connect with people. I'm a loner. I'm an, you know, um, but I've changed that story because no, 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 I actually can connect deeply with people. It's just like a few people and, mm -hmm. and I connect with them very deeply. I'm not good at the Abby's. And, and by the way, I'm, I'm not snobby about that. Mm -hmm. Like I have learned that I used to be like, everyone sucks. Mm -hmm. Who can do small talk? Like, good luck with all of your ridiculous yes, conversations. So I'm holding that. <laughs> but actually, Abby mm -hmm. can get together with, bless her heart, because now she can't go anywhere because I won't go with her. But like, <laughs> she she can be in a room full of people and like, be the life of it and really mm. feel connected to these people because she's energetically exchanging, even when it feels like small talk to me, right? Mm -hmm. So she's not shallow. I'm not deep. It's just like, she connects this way. I connect this way. And we're both cool with it. And I don't, I don't make myself go to parties. Like that's the good thing about being mm -hmm. 44 years old or however old I am. Like, <laughs> I think, I think 44, <laughs> like I don't do, I don't do it anymore at all. Mm -hmm. like, I don't try to make myself be a different type of person than I, than I am. Mm -hmm. I get the extroverted part too with Abby, because that's how I am. I love to have that. Just the, the energy connection yeah. is what it is for me. And I'm super sensitive to people's energies, you know, and it's like, I, I need that almost like that extroverted sort of, sort of feel. But another fun thing that I was about your book that I just loved, I loved that you said that death is the ultimate FOMO because I had the exact same thing. I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Like after, after, you know, like, what is it? Like it's, it's unknown and it's, it's final. But I also wonder what's going to happen to the people around me after yes. I go. Do you have that too? Do you wonder about like, what, what's going to happen with the kids? What's going to happen with Abby? What's going to happen to my, you know, whoever goes first, you know, but it, those, I, you know, that runs through my head. So you oh, have that as well. Do I think about that. Listen. Yeah. I am in, like, sometimes I'll be in the middle of a room and I just want to stand up and be like, are you all aware that we're all going to die? Like, why are we talking about that? Like, why are we just carrying on? Like, why aren't we freaking out constantly? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, yes, I do think about that okay. all the time. I think about, because I will tell you this, death mm -hmm. in general as a concept does not scare me. Oh. I, find life, I find life to be exhausting. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, like, <laughs> I, I feel like I can finally sleep. <laughs> like, part of me is like, all right. Oh, so, um, like, I've been through it, you guys. Like, I've been through it, okay? So, um, but but I do have that FOMO thing. Like, what? And not, not in general, not with mm -hmm. the world. I don't give a shit what the world's doing. Like, I don't have FOMO in terms of that. I'm, my favorite thing is to, well, I like to be invited, but not go. That's my jam. I don't want to feel left Same. out. Mm -hmm. Same. I don't want to feel like you forgot about me completely, but mm -hmm. like I'm definitely not coming. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, when I think about the kids or Abby, that's when I well, then I just go into a, a black hole that I can't even talk to you about right now. <laughs> <laughs> I need to stay present. <laughs> but are I'm, you are you like the, uh, you go ahead? In the middle of the night, yeah. I always just before I go to sleep and it's, it's so childlike. It's interesting mm -hmm. how we sometimes just get so stuck in this childlike way that we can't mm -hmm. get out of. And mine comes to, well, the idea of death is not childlike, mm -hmm. but the way I react to it is. So just before I fall asleep and I'm laughing at it because, you know, laughter comes from pain. Um, <laughs> comedy comes from pain, but just before I go to sleep, I'll be like, ah! 
you know, like seriously, <laughs> I'll let out some really fucked up weird banshee scream. And my daughter will be like, what just happened? Cause she sleeps with me because you can't get her out of the bed. And my husband's downstairs because we don't sleep together. Cause he snores. That's a whole nother, <laughs> another podcast for a different time. And it's really wonderful because if I don't get sleep, I'm just an asshole. So, and mm. it helps me in so many ways. So it works for us 13 years. We're good. Um, but I'm in the bed and I make this like primal scream because everything's fine. And just before I go to sleep, I'm like, we're going to fucking die. Yeah, and then yeah. I go, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> this weird noise. And it's the only way it can come out of me. Mm-hmm. It, can, it can come out of me like a, oh, that's a, that's a terrible thought. Like, you know, oh, that makes me a little shaky. It has to actually viscerally, like, have to come out that way. So every night, everyone's like, there's mom screaming before she goes to bed. Like, every night, he's just like, ah, there she goes again. And there's always once. It's never like four. I don't just keep screaming, running around the house. It's just that one scream. And then I just seem to fall asleep. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and you know what I was just thinking yes. about? Okay. <laughs> so your kid is going to one day, mm-hmm. they're going to one day understand they're going to have that ex- okay existential dread is what you're talking about so like any conscious human being has moments of existential dread mm-hmm. when your kid has it she's going to be like that's when mom was screaming <gasps> <laughs> right and then she's going to be less scared mm-hmm. we're going to have a lot of therapy bills well sure aren't we all aren't we all for sure what i'm saying is like you allow yourself that outward moment of humanity so Mm -hmm. when she feels it she will know she's not the first human being to ever feel it right Uh, she will know that not only is she not the first but her mom felt it allowed her to express it that's a huge gift i might just start screaming at night just for the hell of it (laughs) just so i can have that moment it makes it better it comes out yeah. yeah, you have to get it out. Absolutely. Well, That's heroes work. I'm going right? to tell you. That's heroes work. <laughs> you know, uh, be just being in quarantine. I mean, what day is this even now? Is it, We must be close mm-hmm. to 200 at this point. Um, but I know for me, and Tamna and I talk about this, um, in my relationship, in the marriage, it's been, it's been a stress. Like, it's mm-hmm. been hard to be, because, you know, not, like what I was saying before, just being able to go out and, like, be around other people and just kind of get that for myself hasn't been there. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we're going to be fighting more, which um, mm-hmm. we have been. Um, but the question comes, you know, we try our best not to have our daughter in the room when it happens, because I sort of grew up never hearing my parents fight. Mm-hmm. My husband had the opposite experience. So we're trying to reconcile both. But does it fuck your kids up if you fight in front of them? I mean, do you just need, do you need a resolution? That's what you say, Roxy. I, <laughs> I want to divorce forever. <laughs> I have, I've said some choice. Is that even, a, can you even say that these days? I've said some choice words to my yeah. husband. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What do you I don't think? Know. I no. mean, what I think, what I do, what, uh, what the hell do I know? I don't know what fucks them up. My oldest is 17. So the jury's out on all of them. Mm-hmm. I think that I feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Abby and I have argued more than ever during quarantine. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. our general, I get annoyed very easily by things. Just mm-hmm. things. Everything. Everything. Breathing. So, breathing for real. Breathing heavy. Oh. Oh my God. Get out of my face. Chewing ice. Oh. Loud voices. Like, Mm. loud. So, so our our marriage dance is Mm -hmm. am I, is she too annoying 
or am I too easily annoyed? Okay, this uh, is the uh-huh. this is the the the, the never ending. Mm-hmm. No one can decide. This will go on till we die. Till the day we die, we will be trying to decide this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So because of that, because it's funny, but then it's like not funny because you're actually criticizing the way a human being is mm-hmm. in the world, and then they are crit- like it's it's hurt- hurtful. We can have hurtful conversations about it and arguments, um, and our kids are always around for it. I mean, Mm -hmm. by the way, right now, where the hell is anyone going to go? Like, I just, Mm -hmm. so here's the deal. Here's what we've committed to. Okay. That if they see us in the argument, Mm -hmm. that they are also going to see us in the getting back to each other part. Okay. Because there always is that part, hopefully, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There's the part where you like kind of come back to each other. Ours is we have this chair. I've never told anyone this. We have this Mm. chair (laughs) in our room. And if Abby's sitting in the chair, I'm like, fuck. Like it's our serious <laughs> chair. It's our timeout. I'm, this is like, this, this theory, no, nobody sits in that chair unless <laughs> it's hitting. Fans. Oh, okay. So usually what happens is we have the argument in front of the kids. Mm-hmm. Abby leaves. And in my head, I'm like, fuck, she's going to the chair. <laughs> going to the chair. So then I'm supposed to follow her. All right. That's the dance. That's okay. The dance. I can't. The, the amount of time that I leave between when she leaves and when I follow mm-hmm. is, is the severity of the argument. Okay. So if okay. I go right away, it's not so bad. If I mm-hmm. waited out 13 minutes, oh, oh I'm, shit. That's, I'm punishing her, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So then I go to the, the chair room. I sit on the bed. She's in the chair. We have this serious conversation. And then when we come back out... If mm-hmm. the kids have seen the going down of the flames, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then we have a little bit of a conversation in front of them about the coming together again. Mm-hmm. Because also, what the hell are we supposed to do? Once again, yeah. they are going to be walking shit shows. They mm-hmm. are also going to be in relationships where they're getting in arguments. Mm-hmm. Where they're ha- so like never seeing an argument and never mm-hmm. seeing how it goes down and how it is worked out in the end. Why is that good for them? Right, right. right. Mm-hmm. So I just think that sometimes we we hide parts of it. And if we can show as much of it as possible, mm-hmm. the whole cycle, mm-hmm. that that might be helpful. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I feel like your chair thing works because it's two women <laughs> trying to communicate. Yes. <laughs> um, I feel like the chair would be thrown out. No, I, I, the thing that I struggle in my relationship and it's not any of our fault is that we're just made up completely differently. The mm-hmm. way, you know, men, inherently want to fix and women want to be heard. That's how Mm -hmm. I feel. So when there's an argument, I just want someone to listen and I'm fine using all the therapy. I am, I feel, I think I'm fine. It's your fault. You blame, you blame. I've I've learned for many years how to do the I game and I get Mm -hmm. that. But sometimes I just want to talk about where I'm coming from and my faults and failures. I'm happy to be vulnerable. I'm happy to walk into the storm vulnerable, mm-hmm. but I feel like when it comes to males, they have been taught for so long not to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. They can't really discuss how they're feeling. They just want to shut down. And when my husband shuts down, I get explosive because mm-hmm. shutting down to me is abandonment. Yeah, it's abandoned. Yeah. And I, I, mm-hmm. and I've been, I, I'm hurt and I'm abandoned and I'm shut out. And then I get anxious. And when I get anxious, Anger is not a primary emotion. If everyone can just understand that, it comes from something. So my anger comes from 
anxiety and pain and hurt. And so that's the dance that we do. It's the shutdown and it's the explosion, mm-hmm. not like huge explosions, just loud voices. My husband comes from a family that used to explode. So he doesn't, he doesn't work well with that. Mm-hmm. So it's trying mm-hmm. for us both mm-hmm. to do the work where if he shuts me out, I let him for a little bit of time until he comes down and he can open. And then Mm -hmm. instead of exploding, I calm myself down. But the reason I tell you the story is because my question to you is, I mean, how is loving a woman different than loving a man? Is it Mm -hmm. everything I said or is it every piece of the puzzle is different, you know, Mm -hmm. since you've been able to do both? Mm-hmm. The pieces of the puzzle are definitely different. I mean, I I mean, interestingly enough, we had the same dynamic with the fixing in the listing. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So I don't know if that's like, might not you know, be Abby has some more masculine characteristics. And I I don't know, it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, what I know for us is that what we figured out, and I actually learned this from parenting too. So when you have a sensitive kid, Mm -hmm. you should know that you should never try to solve her problems because that's not what she wants. Right. So like, no, oh my God. Okay. She, no. So like, have you, so I'm sure she's the type of kid who like can't tie her shoes. So she starts crying for mm-hmm. 60 hours. Okay. Yes. So that's a joy in good times. <laughs> so have you ever sat down and tried to explain to her why it's not a big deal that she can't, that she can't tie no, her shoes? No, because and, it, the, my natural instinct is to solve and get right, in there. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. So, so solving or mm-hmm. diminishing that I tried that for the first six years with Tish. Okay. No. So okay. like what works is like, Oh my God, I cannot believe how frustrating it must be to not mm-hmm. tie your shoes. Like, this is so awful. Like, you just have to make shit up. You just have to like okay. match <laughs> the energy. Like in your yeah. mind, you're going, I cannot believe I'm doing this shit. And, and, yeah. and, and you're like, honey, this is awful. And then like the second you match their feeling, they're like, immediately, I feel seen. Like, <sighs> it's about so, feeling seen. Right. Mm-hmm. It's all about feeling seen. It's mm-hmm. like this magic. So so with, but, but the problem is, is that men have been taught that all of their worth is in fixing, mm-hmm. that all, their worth in the earth is from fixing. Mm-hmm. So if you, if, if you bring him your problem or your mm-hmm. feelings and he tries to fix you and then you tell him that's not good enough, mm-hmm. all of his worth is gone. Mm-hmm. So shut down immediately because the worst thing a man can feel is worthless because that's what he's been taught. Like that's what he brings to the table, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like, what Abby and I have d- did with that is like, and I don't know if we got this from a therapist. I don't know. I I didn't make this up. I don't know where it came from, but the idea was okay. I want we're gonna listen to each other, and mm-hmm. I want your goal to be different. So, instead of looking to solve, I want you to look to connect. Like, what am I saying that makes you think of something? that you felt or that you Mm. like the goal in this situation is to connect, right? Mm. Not to solve. So with your little one, that's going to be huge. Like I know how that feels. I get so frustrated when this happens. Like Mm -hmm. you, this must just feel like the time that blah, blah, blah. This is like, the goal is like to make the connect (laughs) and make the girl feel seen. (laughs) Because what never ever fixed anyone is being like, can you just calm down? Like, Like, that's even worse. (laughs) Right. You want to see a sensitive soul explode. (laughs) Tell them to not explode. Right. 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 (laughs) 
So but like the goal of, of interaction, mm-hmm. like bless his heart. Like he has been taught that what he brings to the table, that goal, that the, the goal of every human interaction is to solve, mm-hmm. fix the problem to whatever. So he's just doing what he thinks he brings to the table. So somehow switching the entire goal right. of the conversations, because he needs to feel like a success. People need to feel like a success mm. with the people they love, mm-hmm. right? But you have to change the measure of success mm-hmm. because if his measure of success is, but I have to make this better and he can't do that. So, but if the measure of success is, I have to think of a way that I felt this way, like that I have to like, try, that like his measure of success can be completely different. Mm-hmm. And I only learned that with my daughter, oh. right? Okay. Which is just like, how, how do we get through this moment? Mm-hmm. Her goal is not for me to fix this, right? Because you guys think about, I mean, when you talk to people, when you talk to friends mm-hmm. and they try to fix your shit, it's mm-hmm. so annoying. It oh, makes you feel so stupid. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. do you think I'm an idiot? Like, do you think I couldn't think of that shit you just said? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm really smart. <laughs> okay. Like, yep. I, it makes you wish you never shared. Mm-hmm. Right. So just discussing with kids and with partners and all, like mm-hmm. the point of sharing is to be seen and not any, and not in any way to be fixed because something about being fixed makes you feel stupid. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel less than mm-hmm. immediately. It also gives you empathy towards them. You know, you, the, yes! it humanizes them, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, then it's like, I feel like the, the, the fight can be even scaled down because it's like you you're seeing them as a person, you know, both of you have to be on the same page and maybe that's different from that's, women and women and men and women. Um, and again, I don't know, but you both have to have that technique together because I think it's confusing. And that's the hardest thing sometimes in parenting is like when one person's on one tangent because of their stuff that they bring in and their tool mm-hmm. and their family and mm-hmm. their history. And then you have your history and it's trying to get together on the same page to be able to parent in the same way. And I think that's hard as well. I think people come from two separate backgrounds and to try mm-hmm. to be able to do what's best for the child together is a challenge in itself. Absolutely. You know, and I will tell you that, you know, my experience with the same gender marriage is like two women is so much of it has to do with desire. Like, do you want to work your ass off on this thing? Do you want to deeply understand each other? Or do you want to like get through this so you can get over it and get back to whatever you were doing? Right. Mm-hmm. Like with two women, like the desire to understand each other is so great that it is insane. Mm-hmm. Like it's, we, you guys, last week I found myself at the end of a 45 minute serious conversation we were having about whether I, on the outward side of myself, seemed sad enough when Uh Abby was sad. And like, I I think that's what it was about, but we got 45 minutes in and I was like, holy shit. Like if we were being filmed right now, people would put us in a hospital. It's just, it's, it's good. But Liz, one of my best friends, Liz Gilbert, she, she was in a relationship with a woman for a long time. And she said, does it feel kind of like those pictures of those women who used to sit by the river and just beat out dirty rugs all day? Like that's what it feels like to be married to a woman. It's like, we just wake up talking, we're talking at lunch, we're talking at dinner, we go to bed talking, and then we stop our conversation. And then we wake up in the morning and we're like, yes. And where we were, blah, 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 blah. We had a I love fight last night about uh, socks. 
So I feel oh, like you're winning. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Right. I was wearing new socks and I was like, firstly, okay, just buy seven socks for yourself. I need new socks. Like, what right. about me? I felt right. really hurt. I was like, I need new socks. And then I was wearing his socks outside and he's like, you need to put your shoes on. And I'm like, I can do whatever. Glennon Doyle told me. I can do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> I can be wild. I can be whatever the fuck I want to be. If I want to wear my socks out and put holes in it, I can. And he's like, it's not the point. It's not about the socks. It's about the fact that you don't take care of my things. You don't respect don't my yeah. And mine was like, let me be free. I can be wild. Yeah. I can be a cheetah. I can do whatever the fuck I want. If I want to put mm-hmm. holes in my socks, I'll buy some more socks. And he's like, but they're my socks. <laughs> you know, in, in that particular right? situation, I do feel like he has a point. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. You've been rolled I, on, no, Kevin. <laughs> no, I would never admit that in front of him. If, if, if you were here, I would go down. I would be ride or die, Tamman. I would tell him he was a complete <laughs> asshole. But since he's not Thank here, I just you. think we might have to that just order help. some things Right, right. We can ask a few more questions and then we'll let you go. But there's a yeah. few more things we want to find out about. Definitely. Um, and there was there was a interesting part of your book when I was reading it. Um, it was talking about when you first came face to face with Abby after the first time you guys had met. And you said that you had never even kissed a girl at that point. Right. So what I'm wondering is, was somewhere maybe in your subconscious, do you think you were always attracted to women like somewhere back there or is it something that she brought out? so funny. You're like, I just have a couple more questions. So let's talk about it. Let's try to nail down like, and like, I thought it was going to be like a fire round. And you're like, like slip it in there. Yeah, just slip it. Out, out and, um, and then we have a God I, question too. And then we'll be oh, great, 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 great. Yeah. All the things. I, um, I mean, the answer is I don't know. I, I wonder if when I uh, was younger, if I had seen, I didn't know any gay people. I didn't mm-hmm. have any, I mean, I wasn't, I just missed the whole, like, I kissed a girl, Katy Perry mm-hmm. shit. Okay. I was like right before that cool stuff. I, mm-hmm. When I was in college, I didn't know any gay people. I didn't, nobody, it was not. So I do wonder if I had, you know, a lot of Untamed is about conditioning. Mm-hmm. Like if I had had less completely hetero conditioning. Mm-hmm if I would have felt open mm-hmm. to exploring that, because I feel, I feel like there was a part of me that always felt like I should be, I should, I'm a human being who would be better matched with a woman. Mm. And and I don't know how to explain that in, a, in a, any other way, except for all the reasons we just discussed. On this <laughs> podcast. That it's not for me all about sexuality. Although mm. I will tell you that I've never in my life really truly surrendered to sex or been fully even understood sex Mm. or enjoyed sex as much as I did when I first had sex with Abby. Like that was like, hallelujah. Like everything (laughs) made sense in my life for the Uh first time. Uh Um, but, but the answer to that is, I don't know. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. as simple for me as yes, I have been closeted my whole life and now I have come out like is, is I think we're moving so much toward a bigger understanding of sexuality than Mm -hmm. that. Um, is it fluid? Are there times, are we born with more fluidity than some other people? Mm. Right. Like, because regardless of, I mean, people get so pissed off when I bring up the word choice in, Mm. in, in terms of sexuality, but regardless of how we're not supposed to use that word, I did have to make a choice to be open to Mm. the part of myself that felt attracted to Abby Mm. because I could have very much, well, I could have very much made the decision, the choice to shut that down Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like keep, cause I'm sure that happens. Mm -hmm. Like, listen, 
I get emails from women and I know that everybody's a hell of a lot gayer than they're admitting out in the world. So, so I do think that at some point I made a choice to be open to this part of me that had a capacity to love intimately, Mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, spiritually woman. I just don't know. Was it always inside of me buried? Mm -hmm. Was it um, something that came up later through, uh, through, through the way we live, through what we discover about ourselves in the world, through my, my feminism, through Mm -hmm. my, you know, is it, is it much more complicated than we know, Mm -hmm. as opposed to like, you know, I just had a case of this that was dormant my whole life. And now my (laughs) case of, my case of gayness has shown it. something. I mean, you know, I've kissed a few girls and even thought about dating one back in the day. And I don't know if it was because it was the thing to do in your twenties mm. or if, it be- or if it was because I was actually attracted to them more than that, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it's a sensitive thing. Maybe it's an artist thing. Maybe it's just like, let's just experience mm-hmm. all the world has to offer mm-hmm. and see how that feels. Mm. Um, and maybe you're right. Like maybe we all don't know. And maybe we choose a path in life that works for us and we go down that path, but there's lots of different lives that we could have led, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. and different paths. It's like, choose your own adventure, you know, like mm-hmm. which one, which one do we get to at the end of the book? And, and that's what frustrates me about maybe only having one life because mm-hmm. so many things that I want, wanted to do, want to do that. I don't think you can do all in one life. You know, my mom was a guitar teacher. I would have loved to have, I did have a a few albums back in the day, but I would have loved to maybe have pursued that more than I have. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you can do everything. I don't know if you can have children and have this and this career. I've always wanted to maybe write a book, but like, do you have the time to do that? Can you have it all? Mm. Can you do everything? And maybe if you had more lives, um, and this is my last question about God. <laughs> I have a very complicated relationship with God. I believe there's something more. I believe that there's, I don't know if it's a, a being that's looking down on us like a white man who's like, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this For is, sure. it's a like, I don't know if it's a woman, if it's, that's my answer. It's a color, I, <laughs> um, I do know that when I live with the idea that there's something mm-hmm. greater, my life is better. Um, I'm happier and more connected to people when I feel like there is something. Mm-hmm. And like you said, maybe it's us or the spirit. But how do you feel now that everything you've gone through, which again, typically in Christianity mm-hmm. is like not maybe the most kosher thing. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you <laughs> maybe, put it lightly? It's like you learned to say, I'm not the most person. I just threw it all in there. Um, you know, how do you feel now? Like, what is your relationship with God? Hmm. Yeah. So I am not a human, a person who has ever let religion get in the way of my relationship with God. Hmm. Like religion is so different than God to me. Mm -hmm. They're just like two completely separate things. Right. So to me, I mean, what I would say right now is that I think that I I don't have, I, I don't think of God as like, a being or something out there that's like watching over us and like making decisions. I don't think that at all. Mm-hmm. I think of it as God is the inside each of us, like the deepest, truest version of ourselves is God. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think what can be dangerous about fundamentalist religion of any kind is that fundamentalist religions have to, <laughs> they have to, um, as their first order of course, earn the, earn the, the believer's allegiance mm-hmm. to them. 
Okay. And the way fundamentalist religions um, earn the allegiance from each believer is they separate the believer from their deepest self. So you'll see this in every fundamentalist religion, but in Christianity, the way it worked for me is like the first scriptures you ever learn are, you know, your heart is wicked. You cannot trust your heart. Mm. Like you cannot lean on your own understanding. Like you learn about Eve who, who was curious and wanted more and then all hell broke loose. So you can't, you can't trust your ambition. You can't trust your curiosity. You can't trust your mind. You can't mm -hmm. trust your heart. You can't trust. And so once they separate you from all of those things, all you do is trust them. Mm. Every time you have a hunch, every time your heart breaks for somebody, they say, oh yeah, I know that's your heart, but your heart is wicked. Every time you're like, you, you show them their Bible and you're like, but hold a second, is, is the Jesus you're talking about with all the gays and the abortion, is this the Jesus who never mentioned either and, and talked incessantly about the immigrants that you're trying to keep out and the guns? And, mm -hmm. Like, is this the same one that I know it's confusing, but don't lean on your own understanding, mm -hmm. right? So what happens is in the very place where you should be being taught to be deeply connected to that truest self that is divine mm -hmm. is the place where you get separated from it the most, mm -hmm. Right which is how fundamentalist religion becomes the hardest place to find God. Mm. Because in the, in the very makings of that kind of institution, the first goal is to separate you from that mm. oneness that you have with God. So what I would say is that I do believe that religion, although I'm so obsessed with every spiritual tradition and always will be, um, I think it's a, a tricky place mm -hmm. to maintain a faith. Mm -hmm. Ironically, it is the hardest place to maintain a deep faith. Um, but I, I'm like, my religion is like the God of the bathroom floor, mm -hmm. right? Like I, you know, that somebody said God is in the details, but I have always found God to be in the bathroom. Like God, um, all of my moments where I'm like, you know, when I found out I was pregnant with Chase and I was just a drop down drunk and I was so freaking lost. And there was no shred of evidence and there was no worst candidate for motherhood on earth. Right. <laughs> and I was still like, yeah, like <laughs> this is we, good for me. Yeah. yeah like <laughs> we've got this, like, yeah, I've I just got it. Do hard but, it never, but it was never an I for me. And that's the difference mm. for me. There's always been what I would describe faith as for me is it's a weeness that I've always had. That is like, and I'm talking about when I was, uh, you know, on my seventh line of Coke, when I'd been drunk for three days and I would be sitting on the front lawn of a house, just talking to God. Mm -hmm. And like, never once, you know, never once felt like God was mad at me. I think God was probably like, oh, I wonder when we're going to get started. Yay! <laughs> 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 my first choice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so that faith that I've had, that mm. there is a weeness and we are doing this together. Um, has never gone away. Not when the Christians were, you know, mm -hmm. crucifying me for announcing my relationship with Abby. That's the funny thing about Christians. They are always crucifying people without irony. Mm -hmm. It's just unbelievable that they don't see the irony in it. But um, yeah, I, I, my faith is intact. It's just so different every month and every year. Mm -hmm. And and it has very, very little to do. It has nothing to do with, with religion or a bunch of rules mm -hmm. that a bunch of old white men made up to maintain their power. It's completely separate from that. Are your kids uh, faithful as well? Do, do you talk about like the faith and kind of bringing them into that or what is their sort of 
So I remember Tish when we were, Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not a part of a church anymore, Mm -hmm. um, but I I used to be a Sunday school teacher and I remember Tish and I would always sign up to be a Sunday school teacher because I'd be scared of what they were going to teach my kids about God. (laughs) So then I would be the teacher and everyone in the church would be scared about what I was. That's a control. There it is. That's a control problem. I know. No, but I don't think, I don't, I think this, the the best and the brightest Mm -hmm. and the most deep should be teaching the kids in churches. Like that, they throw it anybody in there mm-hmm. and then the most important people the kid like so um i remember tish just being like this is horse shit like do you, you do you seriously want me to believe this shit like she wasn't saying shit but she was just like she's always had been having none of it mm-hmm. okay she's like deeply spiritual in her own way but she's never believed any of the shit i've handed her about the bible okay mm-hmm. great i don't tell them anything i okay. just i always ask them mm-hmm. like what do you think? Like, what do you, do you, do you believe in God? Do you be, like one month they'll be like, eh, no, you know, Chase is a, he's into plants and science and mm-hmm. his religion is, is science really. Right. And Emma think Emma's just, whoa, I don't know. She believes we all have 70 lives and she makes up these big, you know, beliefs and they're amazing and awesome. And, um, I just, I just feel like it's like an ongoing conversation. And I always feel like my favorite thing to do is just, is not to tell them anything, but mm-hmm. just ask them. Mm. Yeah. Well, Glennon, I don't know how we're going to talk this. I know. <laughs> Seriously. It's like, we should just quit now. Thanks for that. <laughs> oh my God. And we've had some really big guests. So yeah, yeah. now what do we do? You're supposed to end when you're at the top, Roxy. Do you know that? Like, <laughs> Well, we, we have officially <laughs> and when it's good and when the going's good so that's, thanks a... Guys. Last <laughs> and that's a wrap and that's a wrap for it for us well, oh God, my God. I'll learn the guitar again so we're good. <laughs> when, are, when are we gonna get more from you are you are you writing thinking about a new book yeah. like no what pressure. right now i'm turning untamed into a tv show oh <gasps> amazing Mm. really awesome people and I'm just I'm writing it myself so I'm just uh, well with an amazing writer named Jesse Nelson and working with Bad Robot and just trying to figure out how to p- turn the book into a TV show that will be as deep and mm-hmm. boundary pushing and all of it that the book was so it's been fun and overwhelming an and- yeah, I, know, totally. <laughs> I haven't been working in quarantine so I just put my hand up perfect will you and yeah. Abby will you and Abby be making appearances on the show do you think I can't imagine. I, that's like not in my, in my, that's not in my bucket list at all. I'm, I'm uh, maybe from Abby, she might be, I don't know. She might be secretly hoping for that. I know the kids are secretly hoping that they'll be in it. I don't know. We'll Cast see. as themselves. Yeah. Oh, good luck. And oh, so excited. You obviously your books, mm-hmm. um, love warrior untamed the third book. I forgot. The third Carry book, on Warriors. Carry on Warriors, which I am in the middle of. Oh, I'm in the middle of. I downloaded it on Audible and it's ready for my next one. <laughs> Will I cry in that one? Oh, no, I don't remember it. That was 12 lifetimes ago. So, okay. <laughs> don't like, don't worry about that one. No, no. Yeah, it makes me sweaty to think about that those words are so <laughs> Well, and you, thank you so much. Yes. And, thank um, you, loves. This has been wonderful. You. Oh my god, and we're wait, so. Don't cute. find us on Women on Top official on Instagram and Women on Top podcast on and Facebook. I'm Tamin Sursak, and I am Roxy Manning, and we are Women, Women on Top. top.